We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too good. That was good. Roll on. No, 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 no. The Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, probably a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and GSPN. I'm Ty Windish, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Rohan Kadi, and we're both very excited to be joined by a special guest as well with coaching, the number one news item right now. We're ignoring all the terrible fake trades at the moment in the Bucks Bucks sphere, Bucks content sphere. We had to bring Brad bring back Brad Fisher. UWO Coach Fisher, coach of the UWO women's team. Another very successful season for Coach Brad since last time we spoke. Brad and then Rohan, how's it going? Good to see you guys. I'd rather have better circumstances talking about finals adjustments or second round adjustments, I guess, at this point, but uh, I'm excited to talk. I'm doing great. I mean, it's it's we have a lead company here, top twenty five all time winning percentage coach on. So you know, it's it's a uh, it, it's it's good company, and we're lucky to have you, Brad. We we got in here with Brad before the Bucks scoop him up, and then you know, Bucks are a little tighter on media. I don't know if we'll be able to get Brad on the pod if he is hired <laughs> by the Milwaukee Bucks, but we got him now while the search is just starting. So you know, unless you've been living under a rock or somehow didn't read the the title of this pod or. Listen to the last episode. Adam and Jordan did a terrific retrospective on the news the day it happened. The Bucks have dismissed Coach Mike Budenholzer. Uh, I believe it was Thursday last week that it actually happened. Um, there's been no hire yet. I think it will be a while, which is a smart move. There's been no news on you know where Bud's going to end up next. That will probably take some time too. There's a couple openings right now. There could be a couple more before the end of the summer. Um, and before we get into I guess the crux of the pod, which is not as flippant as maybe it sounds, right? Like, how can the Bucks get better after firing Mike Budenholzer? There are anti-Bud people who will say, oh, bring in anyone, have anyone do it and they'll be better. Yeah, probably not, but we'll, we'll get to that. First, I do want to, and I'm glad Adam and Jordan did a really good job of this, I think, examine like Bud's Bucks tenure because it was probably the best five-year stretch in franchise history, taking into account regular season and playoff success. 
you know, certainly right up there with the 80s that never had the championship high, but a whole decade of prolonged success. And of course, the 70s when they won a championship, but that team just wasn't together for all that long total. Um, and Brad, I'd love to hear from you first on, on I guess, you know, wh- where did your mind go when the news broke? Um, you know, clearly it was something that was not totally unexpected. There was the way the season ended, you know, some of the reporting that came out pretty early from Sham Sharania and others. But still, I mean, it was it, it still hit differently actually seeing it, knowing that the Bucks basically went from a joke for 20 years to a perennial contender basically as soon as Bud walked in the door. Yeah, I, just, I think because it happened immediately, we assumed it was easy and we assumed all it took was moving on from Jason Kidd. And I think they found the perfect guy at the perfect time. I think um, and, and people have talked about unlocking Brook Lopez, but you know, Giannis was becoming who he was becoming. But if someone comes in and puts in a four-out offense and messes around with, you know, someone in the post, brings in the wrong post player, and I think that's part of the conversation too, is how good a job he and John Horst did of, of working together to build the roster that fit for how they wanted to play. And because it just it just popped, we all kind of thought, well, it, you know, that's we got it. We just got an NBA coach now, and Jason Kidd wasn't that, but. There was other guys that interviewed for that job that could have been 45 win teams for three years and Giannis would have been out the door. So I, you know, I just, I think they found the perfect guy, obviously for him to, to make Brooke Lopez into what he was and, and contribute to that. Um, and then it, winning was just an every night thing. And <laughs> we had never seen it. We may not see it again in the same way. Um, I mean, they made the regular season irrelevant, which was never the case in Milwaukee. And I just, I think on the way out the door, I was just sad. And obviously everything that happened to him, you know, we've all talked about trying to think about doing our own jobs with that circumstance. And, you know, I just, I hope time doesn't pass where where we continue. And I still read how anyone, you know, would have three championships, but would have three championships. Or if he went to, you know, if we had had someone else during this season, he would have, they would have won it. It just, it's just not that easy. And uh, I hope people can respect how great a job he did and how he was perfect at the perfect time. Yeah, especially because, like you mentioned, like a coach like Jason Kidd is not an NBA level coach, especially like we saw in Milwaukee. That guy's an NBA coach still. Like he's yeah. actually the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks for who knows for how long. It'd be really funny if Dallas fired Jason Kidd to hire Mike Budenholzer and they'd just they, go through the they, same yeah, they, thing they'd again. Go, they'd win 55 games. I'll, I'll be, tell you that. Like, they would, would go and win absolute, a bunch of games. Yeah. It would be absolutely incredible. But those type of coaches exist, and that's why, like you mentioned earlier, Ty, you can't just bring anyone in. Yeah. You you can't, like, there is, like, while it is, it is like a high-level job, there's only 30 of these jobs that exist in the entire world. There's levels to it. There's absolutely levels to it. Like you can have high level coaching, you can have low level coaching. Like it's it it all depends on the personality, the roster, the the team. It, it's a multitude of factors like coming together to make one product. It's not just one thing resulting in like a, a bunch of wins. It's it's coaching, it's personalities, it's roster construction. It's all it's it's everything put together. So it's just it was a perfect match with John Horst, Mike Boonholder, Giannis, like you mentioned, uh, Brad, the, the the roster around Giannis. It really, truly matters. Like you mentioned, he transforms like Brooke Lopez into a guy you can be. Pat Connaughton became like an actual NBA yeah. rotation, like high-level rotation player. Like you see what he, he's done with like Wing University in Atlanta and see what he could do in Milwaukee. It was just a great, great 
era of Milwaukee Bucks basketball that I feel like because of this and because of the sour ending is going to go underappreciated. Like, sure, it ends with the first round exit and the, uh, and Bud getting fired, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't highs along the way. Just one bad moment doesn't like doesn't make the entire journey like it's a five year journey. It doesn't make that irrelevant. It doesn't make that like it didn't happen. That happened. The reason the Milwaukee one of the main reasons the Milwaukee Bucks have a title is because of Mike Budenholzer. And that cannot be forgotten. That cannot get lost to the wayside. Well, and I think to something Brad said pretty early on was also he's the reason they have a chance to have a second act with Giannis. Because I do think maybe Giannis would have stayed no matter what in any circumstance. I think probably not. Like I, I think I think there had to be, and obviously this is not sourced because you know Giannis wouldn't put this. I wouldn't believe him if he did say it right. But I think there had to be the the right architecture built around him that he felt like he could win by the time the Supermax came up. And I've always thought since really the the championship postseason that one of the best bud things was the culture that he helped put in. And of course the players are integral. You can't have, you know, no coach can just like snap their fingers and culture's there. But their their role in it is vital. And like someone like Jason Kidd clearly is probably not not the greatest at doing that. I think Bud is the exact opposite in that department. And I think they had a culture and a culture of winning, which again, like if you're 20 and 62 every year, you can be the greatest guys ever. Things are going to go sour. I mean, you have to be winning as well, I think, for that to happen. Both of those ingredients were there. I mean, they they had a great team. They were aggressive in their moves. I mean, they got Drew Holiday right before that too. But they had been like basically the best team in the league for two straight seasons. And so it was clear like, okay, they need to figure something out in the playoffs but there was a, a good enough reason. There was probable cause for Giannis to think, yeah, I think they can do it. Like, I think we're pretty close. And they were. They went and won a title right after he did it, right? So um, I, I think clearly, in addition to what was actually done, in a lot of ways, whatever happens next, I think is going to be because of Bud, you know, in a much more real way. There, there were people who said, oh, like they do this with Mark Jackson and Kerr too, right? Like Mark Jackson developed the Warriors, you know, Jason Kidd developed the Bucks and Giannis and you know they're nothing without them they had some role I'm not going to say they had no role whatsoever but I think that's like kind of ludicrous I think clearly there were important things that were toggled and that's what made all the difference I think you know Kerr's contract is up after this year we'll see what happens in this series and with him both places the only reason that there could be an extension of winning is because of Kerr and Bud. I think they belong in the same company you know Kerr has many more titles he also had Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant and, you know, a little bit of a different situation there, as good as the Bucks have been, as great as the Bucks have been. But I do think what Bud established is the only reason that Giannis is still here. And, you know, despite what Winhorst and ESPN says, it seems to be here for, for a while still. Um, and the only reason that we can even ask this question, because I think if Bud wasn't as great as he was, you know, playoff shortcomings aside, that now we're just looking at like, Okay, we don't have a pick again, and Giannis is gone, and we suck, and everything is terrible. So I think part of the legacy should also be, if anything else does happen great after this, it's because of Bud too. And of course, you know, winning more than any other team in, in the regular season, winning a championship, you know, being a great team all around, all of that as well. For my money, I would say the greatest coach in Milwaukee Bucks franchise history. Um, and I, I agree, Rohan, people may forget, people may look down on it, I think in 10 years or so, hopefully 15 or 20 years, we'll be looking back like, damn, I miss those bud days. You know, <laughs> oh man, 
we only won 60 games and, and went to the conference finals. Like, oh, we might be looking at that like, oh, I would kill to have that season right now in the post Giannis era. But um, Brad, your, your thoughts on, I guess, carrying it forward and Bud's importance in that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that first year that he was hired, they were a 45 or 46 win over under type team. So, I mean, people thought, okay, they'll get a couple games better, but they were a seventh seed. And I'm a firm believer in the process of having to go, I mean, not to get into Giannis's stuff, but I mean, I am a firm believer in the process of, you know, having to kind of climb your way through and have, have ups and downs and advanced rounds in the playoffs and learns what that means. And he skipped multiple steps in year one. He went right from, I mean, the Joe Prunty finish of, you know, game seven of the year before as a seven seed right to the number one seed and playing in the conference final and having the pressure for the first time in year. I mean, since 2001, the pressure for the first time in a Bucks franchise and having being a favorite to go to an NBA finals. And even 2001, they weren't the favorite when it all shook out. So, you know, he skipped those steps. And, and so I think back, like, what if that was a 46 seven win team and they get bounced in the second round and then do they go to 52 the next year and then get beat again? And then Giannis probably is out the door. And I just, I think that skipping those steps right to contender for all five years, regardless of how the five years ended, one of them gave you a championship um, puts a puts a heck of a, a heck of a target on the next coach. Where and I think they said on the low post with Eric this this weekend was, you know, they're kind of in a NBA Finals championship or bust right off the bat in year one, and that's where we start talking about new coaches. That's a tough spot for someone who's never been in that seat before. That's why I'm kind of a firm believer that they're they're going to have to find someone who's who's been in a Finals before, likely as a head coach to have the ability to, to get this team right to that spot. Cause there's not going to be a huge leash for anybody next year. I think it's, this is a good segue. Oh, Rohan, what do you got? No, I was just because the first point you made was amazing about uh, them being like a 45 win favorite. Cause I remember the year yeah. before they hired, but everyone was saying, I think the over under was at like 46 and a half or 47 yeah. and a half. Yeah. And I was like, this team's, like bet on this team like i'm not i'm not going to encourage betting but like i the, the, the over is hitting on that because there was just so much low-hanging fruit yeah. and we knew that bud was just a guy like an ultimate floor raiser like he will he had to teach this team how to play like organized basketball basically and there's and they were still like a 40 win team so it was just it's it, like he took the he took this team and he gave them the fundamentals and you mentioned like like a gradual progression even though they didn't go through that gradual progression in the regular season, it's almost like they did that in the postseason. Like yeah. they they had their growth, and even though they went to the conference finals their first year, that uh, their first series was a joke. Apologies to the Pistons, but that was a joke. The Celtics were imploding thanks to Kyrie Irving, so it's like those yeah. weren't like real, real series. And then they got their first real test in the conference finals against Toronto, and they had to go through those growing pains. And then you face a team like Miami in the bubble, like you go through these growing pains. And then eventually you can get to the mountaintop and win a title. So even though they they did, like, you do have to go through those growing pains. You're absolutely right. I was just going to say, and I think that's a good point. And I think, I, I almost think people view floor raiser as a pejorative. I don't think it is. I mean, I think that's that's what you want from your coach probably. And there's only so much ceiling. I think an NBA head coach is going to be able to pull out of a team. I mean, if you don't have a Giannis, Curry, LeBron kind of guy, I mean, especially in those circumstances. But 
Uh, certainly, I think that just speaks to being a quality coach and putting in, and also over the five years, being more malleable than I think Bud gets credit for. I mean, the defense changed a lot, especially this past season. The offense, probably a little slower to change. I think ultimately, as we'll get into, that's what we're going to look for a lot from the next coach is, is tweaking that more because I think that was the end. I mean, the regular season, it was normally fine. This last year was the only one it wasn't as good, but they basically had one and a half ball handler for the first half of the season. So even then, I wasn't that that uptight about how the offense looked in the regular season. The playoff offensive rating, though, has been middle of the pack or worst basically every season since the first year when, as you said, Rohan, they blitz through the Pistons in round one, and then they end up romping through the Celtics too. So that number probably a little skewed, certainly a lot worse against Toronto, the series that really mattered than it was in their eight and one start to that playoffs. But uh, I think it's a good transition to talk about what we're looking from the next coach. So John Horace spoke on Friday in a uh, conference call with reporters. Um, one question directly asked was, does a candidate need NBA head coaching experience or championship experience? Horace said, I don't think so. That could change. He also made it clear that they're early in the process and it seems like they're just trying to cast an, a very wide net, which I think is is smart and a good idea generally. But I know, Brad, you had mentioned you do want to see someone who's been there before, at least in, in some avenue. Do you think, you know, looking around the league, I guess, just at some recent successful coaches, Nurse obviously was an assistant who was raised and, and was able to do the thing. Also, I think overlooked, I mean, there was a, a different variable that changed from the last year of Raptors basketball to that one. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard added probably, you know, has a lot to do with that. I think I can drop the probably has a lot to do with that as well. Marcus Gasol. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole different team. And I think you look at Steve Kerr was just like, I didn't, I didn't think that was a good hire at the time, to be honest. I mean, kind of came from like front office slash broadcasting and was trusted to do it. So those guys didn't have the, the head coaching experience. They made it work. But why do you think for this team in particular, it should be someone who's been in the head chair before? Yeah, I just I think it's the circumstances of this team more than anything. I think I think you're right. I think if you're looking for if you're thinking about trying to find who has the best chance to be great, that that person may not have been a head coach yet. I just I feel like regardless of how you kind of look at Giannis's situation, this team is going to be better in no matter what. And I think you're going to have to convince these whoever's back of that veteran group that this guy is going to make you better than what you already have, which is a really good coach. And I think, I think with, even with Bud getting fired, and even if the players that Giannis, you know, was ready to move on from him, I don't think anyone would say, say he wasn't a really good NBA head coach. And I think it's just going to be hard for someone. And again, no comparison to what we do in college or what I do at women's college, but there's there's a process when you are an assistant coach where you've you've sat back on benches and watched you've taken the good stuff that you like but you also have your own stuff the first time you try your own stuff if you have to win an nba championship or have to get to an nba finals that's a lot of pressure on your own stuff and i think i think in Giannis's case and i think the reason nurse is going to continue to be a name is he saw it firsthand up close and i think I don't know that people talk a ton about Giannis's understanding of the game. I think he's incredible for how little he has played leading up to it. But I also think like he knows he knows kind of what we know. Like he he grew up in basketball around the last 15 years and didn't know anything beforehand. And 
this is he's seen what he's seen. And it, to me, it's they're going to have to sell him on a guy that they don't have to try to make up reasons why he might be great. And maybe I'm, I mean, obviously, I'm not in the middle of it, so I don't know. But I think if you're going to have you have a chance that next year to get their the players attention back. That's the first, that's the biggest thing that happens with a new coach that, in my opinion, this team got really comfortable doing what they do and they knew they were good at it. And the stuff that made them great when you become really good, the stuff that actually made you great is the little stuff that you kind of just get sick of doing every day and you're a little less sharp. And that's why when I look at the drop, like to me, it's not a drop. It's we didn't, I didn't realize Brooke Lopez didn't realize who exactly was coming off of it. So he's two steps too low or at the end of game four, when it's holiday in Middleton and they're just kind of loose with their switch or loose with the high hedge. And now and holiday backs off an extra step. And I think that's what you get back with a new coach. So you have their attention. I just, I think they, there might be a great guy out there who's never done it. I just, I, the risk that comes with that, of, of that person having to go through their growing pains of how do I use a challenge? And when's the right time for a timeout? I've watched my boss do it this way for X amount of years, but I think it should be done this way. And then you get out there and you're wrong. And I think Missoula's taken a lot of, a lot of grief for how he's, He's coached timeouts. And he was he was the name. Sorry to cut you off. He was the name I was thinking of when you laid yeah. out this scenario because that's pretty much what happened to him. Yeah, yeah. So he's put in this. And he's in that spot, and, and luckily, maybe for them, the, the conference has opened up a little bit. He's not going to have an experienced team unless it's the Heat on the backside, and and they may pay for some of that if if they play the Heat in the conference finals. If there is an experienced coach that's done this multiple times. So to me, I, I just think one selling veterans on it is way different. If you were someone to step into Memphis, someone who hasn't done it before, it's, it seems hard to me to tell a team of guys that have won a championship when you walk in having never done it, that this is how we do it. And I think, I think their opportunity now is we can get all these guys' attention back. We can get the best out of Giannis again because it's going to be different. There's going to be change. It makes practice more interesting. It makes game planning more interesting. Oh, we're going to do this different. Honestly, when I started my first job as a head coach, the, the year before it went so poorly, I could have told them to stand on their heads and they were ready to do it. And, I, and obviously this team has had a lot of success, but at the same time, like they want to go win it again. So they need someone who convince them that that's how it's done. And if, if there's someone that's been in that seat, I just think that's such an easier sell. And the problem is that's such a short list. And that's why firing a guy like Bud is hard because there's not many better than him, regardless of what we think about rotations and and the drop coverage and their half-court offense. So it's a big challenge. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. For sure. And it's it's interesting you say, like, the players are going to be more interested in, like, practice and stuff because it's, like, obviously they must feel some pressure, too. Like, you sure. are not, like, them as the players, the coaches can only do so much. Like, you as the players have to go out there and perform. They didn't perform, and because of that, Bud lost his job. Yeah. So, at, at the end of the day, they must be feeling some pressure, too, because it's like, hey, we we have to perform now. So, we have to understand what this new coach is telling us. Like, we have to learn this new system because uh, it's going to be, like, there's there's a house clearing. Like, the, like the assistant coaches are likely going to be gone. It's It's, like, an entirely new people you have to get familiar with and, like, sort of sort of learn from and like figure out a new way to sort of play the game you've become accustomed to playing the last couple of years and you have the pressure of like man we we won a title and now we got our coach fired and so you have to go in there you have to be extra motivated as players too which i feel like factors into it a lot as well 100 percent. i was thinking about uh, a name that people really like i don't think is feasible at this point from what is the front office has said Ty Lue, though, uh, the Clippers, and not even just him specific. I think he would be a very good coach um, and a great option if, if it does come up. I'm not even that familiar with specifically what he does, but I just feel like he's certainly someone who's been there and is known he's, as like a playoff adjuster. He's a like he's a like in terms of like categorizing him, I'd say he's more of like an in-game masterful tactician rather yes. than like a culture setter type yeah. guy. But the thing I like and the thing I was thinking about and, and another trait that I hadn't really thought about probably until yesterday from, from the coaching perspective, there was that moment in the NBA finals, 26, 2016, when LeBron is doing like everything and they were coming up a little short still. And Ty Lue basically took him aside and said, I need even more. And they kind of got into it. And LeBron's like, I don't have anything left to give. And Ty Lue's like, yes, you do. I think there were some expletives in there. And I, I just feel like if Giannis is going to be this guy, right, this this guy who when they won two years ago, we talked about goat trajectory and all this stuff, right? If he's going to be a LeBron or Michael level player, I wonder if that's almost the different coaching characteristic that the Bucks should be looking for. Like someone who is not just going to say, okay, Giannis, I'm just going to put you in this position, go. Someone who's going to get on Giannis and be like, hey, I need you to be great. Like I, I, this can't be – you know, you can't take seven jumpers in the fourth quarter. Like, we're going to draw this up. You're going to get to the rim. Like, you need to go do this. And I think I, I, for as great as the culture was with Bud, and I certainly am not saying on a personal level he did anything wrong, 
I also don't think he is the kind of guy who's going to be doing that stuff, at least from what we saw. And we obviously only see a limited amount. We're not in there, as you said, Brad. But I do think that kind of like lighting that fire more often, in addition to the tactical and the offensive stuff, which I am very interested in, that's something I look at too. And that I think certainly would be probably falling in line with a more experienced coach. I don't think there's going to be like a 40-year-old who's never been a coach. I love Jordy Fernandez as an assistant. I don't know if he's going to be doing that kind of stuff. But Brad, is that... Is this a I – mean, we talked on that last show. I'll have to link it in the description about kind of like the BS around coaching and, and the dumb. Is that – do you think – is that like a trope or is that a real thing that could be beneficial? No, I think it's a real thing. And I think that's that's where me – like I don't – I didn't see this team as lazy even when they looked like they were – I just thought they were too comfortable. And I think – I think like we said, perfect timing for the hire and that's what they needed. They needed they needed a culture. They needed a let's get better and they, and they, and they talked about a low, low post of – and let's just get better every day. But it felt like it felt like they were too comfortable being who they were. They knew they were good, and I think we. I felt like we saw it last year against the Boston's, the Philadelphia's, the Denver's, the games when we were like, okay, it's time to see where the Bucks are at. And they never, they just didn't play all that well a, a lot of those nights, and they played a little loose and a little, and they get you know Boston busted them up that one night and blew them out, and there was. The games that felt to fans like, oh, here's a big game, they didn't seem ready for it. It just felt like they were always like, we'll be fine when it comes down to it. And I, I do think that there was a time, and the problem for Bud was he had done such a great job establishing that we're not going to panic, we're just going to keep doing our thing, that when you want to change that, it feels forced and it feels unnatural. And the players are like, wait a minute, we've sat here for four years and you know we've been chill and now you're going to try to get up and bust us up. And it's just... It's, again, it's not him doing anything wrong. It's just the culture which they had created, which I think helped them a lot in 2021. I think there was plenty of times where a team that's pushed hard by a coach that's always up their up their backside probably breaks in one of those times where they're down 2-0, but they'd already kind of established, hey, we're just going to keep getting better. We'll be fine. And that kind of, I think, helped them win a title. Now they've gotten that point. Or they, I do think they need somebody that gets into a little bit and challenges their their manhood and their professionalism and their competitiveness. And and I, I thought they got punched in the mouth early in that series against Miami the first night, and then lost their best player. And they started looking around like, oh shoot, like all this comfort that we had built up, like it's gone. <laughs> We're not comfortable anymore. And then they couldn't function. And I think. I think this is the perfect time for them to switch to somebody who will challenge them a little bit more. And like you said, I just it's going to be tough for a 40-year-old first-time head coach to walk into that room and start raising his voice to guys that have already won a title. And that's where I think anybody at Frank Vogel or a, or a Nick Nurse or guys that have at least shown that they can do it have a little bit easier time of coming in and having that, having that voice and walking in that first room and going, look, you should be embarrassed by how last year ended. We're going to make sure that doesn't happen. Here's how, it, here's how it's going to happen. And I do think you get back some of the attention of guys who had just kind of gotten comfortable existing and, and being really good NBA players or great NBA players, but probably not being totally challenged a lot with just their toughness. And we really should. It feels like with the veteran team that had already won a title, they should have handled adversity so much better in the first round. And they just they weren't equipped for it. And I don't. I don't. I think that somebody that can come in and, and regain that attention has a chance to get it right back. And that's why I think they can win a title with virtually the same roster. Honestly, 
Yeah, for sure. And especially because like, like you mentioned, a first time head coach, not really grabbing the attention. Like we talked earlier about the Raptors, the Warriors, like bringing those guys in. Those teams already like hadn't won a title. They were teams that had had to experience like a lot of playoff failure. They weren't teams that were like, hey, we are a championship team. We know we're a championship team. Yeah, and so were, now we're going to – They were closer in like the position the Bucks were in when Bud came in versus now. I think that's a better right. – I mean the Raptors had more success before then. They had beaten the Bucks, But it was closer to that than where Milwaukee finds itself now for sure. Correct. And it's just – it's such a precarious situation to be in. Like we, we mentioned earlier, like the Joe Missoula hire is probably like the closest proxy to what it's, it's sort of right now. And even that Celtics team didn't win a title. Like they just made the finals. They didn't actually win win a title. Uh, just well, KG and Paul Pierce and, and Rondo uh, yeah. won five in a row, as they'll tell you. So there was uh, that that happened. Never never lost a series while healthy. That's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I just want to keep emphasizing that the Celtics did not win the title. Uh, I think I think as the, much the, as I can. Just as this is a real aside, I think the Brad Beal John Wall Wizards had some sort of thing that was like that. They were like, we never, you know, when Martin Gortat was healthy, we never lost a series either or something. I, I don't remember. That's a, that's just a fun, a fun step back in history. Go ahead, Rohan. I just that's it's something for Ted Leonsis' blog or whatever he had, where he declared the new big three. With <laughs> he deleted like... <laughs> with uh, Andre Bloch or whoever. Yeah, that's gone there. Uh, it's so funny, but yeah, just this this coaching situation is going to be extremely tenuous and difficult for the Bucks to go through as an organization. But one thing I wanted to actually ask you about, Brett, was what did you make of really the comments that Giannis had after the series when he talked about like someone had asked him about guarding Jimmy Butler and he says, I wanted to, but it's it's something you have to let the coach make as an adjustment out of respect. That's well, something then, that I, I, I found really interesting. Uh, that That combined with, and this was, I thought, especially noteworthy from Giannis of all people of Basically, I think somebody asked, like, did you adjust enough? And he's just like, no, we didn't adjust enough. And it was like, wow, I think that was uh, – I think those comments didn't not have something to do with the ultimate decision made. That's for sure. Yeah, and when you know – I mean, John Horst talks all the time about how close him and Giannis are. <laughs> so obviously you know that that's a huge part of their conversation. I think it it is – the interesting part to me is that that conversation wouldn't have happened just between best player and head coach. And I think that, to me, that's part of the comfort level that, um, again, I think Giannis is probably the best the best NBA superstar you want to coach because you know you're going to get, like, we keep going back and forth between Embiid's effort and AD's effort. Like, you, you never have to worry about Giannis as your best player's effort. I think that, but the interesting part to me was, like, the two of you didn't sit down and talk about it beforehand, like, and again, everything they do things completely different at the NBA than any of the rest of us coaching college, high school, everywhere else. But it's it it is mind-boggling to me a little bit, especially when there's a history, very recent history of him having that matchup in the series, having success in that matchup, and that no time in those five games. And I think there's a lot of reasons why they didn't put him on it. And I don't I don't believe that if they would have done that, they would have automatically won the series. Let's chalk it. But at the same time, the that they kind of admitted they didn't have the conversation or Giannis as a, as a great player didn't at some point go up to him and say, let me have him. Um, I think that's, I think that's something for a new coach to take a different approach on as well. And I think, and yeah, I thought that was the final, the, the, when that was said, we could assume it was going to happen, but I, I still wasn't a hundred percent sure with again the success and the, the there's not a big gap between the best coach in the world and but 
So to find someone better is is obviously the ongoing challenge. But yeah, Rohan, I, I, the the fact that that conversation never happened, especially that's they when they won a series with that, is that's puzzling. Yeah, and I've seen circulated um, a lot recently. I think probably because of this is the ex- the reported exchange between Nick Nurse and Kawhi. Everything comes back to that Raptors team for some reason uh, in 2019. Of you know, basically the nurse is saying we're going to make adjustments, and Kawhi says the adjustment is I'm guarding Giannis, and obviously yeah. it was history from there. It would be a much cooler moment if it wasn't the Bucks and Giannis on the other side of it for us. Still, undeniably a cool exchange, but that wasn't even. I mean, that would just be something we'd need Giannis to do, right? That wasn't Nick Nurse's coaching brilliance. That was that was Giannis saying, "Hey," or that was Kawhi, I should say, saying, "Hey, I'm going to do this." But maybe if you get someone in there who is pushing more than than setting up the right template we'll say for Giannis maybe that's something that would then just happen or or that could be I mean that could also have been schematically done and it would have worked all the same right if Nurse was the one who said it maybe he was going to say that Um, but I think changing that dynamic is going to be useful of you know there should be nothing unsaid of what's going to be tried next like let's let's try it I mean when we're down 2-1 or 3-1 to the A seed should probably just throw a lot out the window at that point. Yeah. I think the Bucks, to, to your point, Brad, about like just comfort and, and just lack of urgency. I mean, it's just you're seeing these same, you know, biffed rotations, not getting up to the, the level on time, dropping too far back offensively. The shot selection, I mean, we've yelled for four pods already, probably do five more before June about some of the shots taken in that series, probably 50 more times offline and online. Um, it just wasn't there. They weren't acting. And this is what blew my mind, really. And I think I didn't have a good explanation for it until I think your points about comfort that you explained, and, and that's what you saw. I didn't have an explanation for like why this team that knew what it would take because they did it two years ago would just not look like that. They did not look like a team of guys largely that two years ago won four series. And yeah. I think and I, I think there's been this stuff put out there like, oh, are they tuning out, Bud? Like, does it? Did they? Did Bud lose them? I don't think so. I, I think that is different, and that's not really the case. But the the comfort idea, I think, fits. I think that works between those things and makes the most sense to me. Yeah, I just they did they did things so similarly for so long and saw so much success, and that's why as a head coach, like pe- people want to want them to do a hundred things well, and there's there's a dozen offenses and a handful of defenses you can run. Not every coach can coach every single one of those things. Well, like just because you want to switch doesn't mean that you're either your team's equipped. Like, so there's a lot of things that got to go together that, but it is hard when you've been super successful. Like we've run the pack defense for 11 years at Oshkosh. We've won 20 games every single season. There's plenty of times when I wish we switched more or we denied passing lanes we've been really good at the other one. So you've got to have a real leap of faith and then you got to be willing to fail. Now they do have more, they have 82 games to fail at some things. And I, I do wish they used 82 games more, especially especially when seeding has kind of proved to not matter as much. Now we felt it did. And then again, it proved it didn't this year. I do wish they failed more at some things. Um, but again, I think that we've been so good at these things. It'll eventually it'll start, it'll start working. And like, I think the coaching change has covered up a lot of IQ issues and a lot of basketball smarts issues that the Bucks have. 
that maybe a micro um, someone that micromanages more and, and is willing to to take control a little bit more on the fly. Like I thought game five was lost the first four minutes of the fourth quarter when they went one for eight. Brooke Lopez dribbled off his foot. Giannis took an elbow jumper and a three. You know, Ingles took a one pass transition. And they needed a point guard or a head coach to slow that down and get them into an action. And they never, they never trusted their stuff. And I think that's that might be the biggest indictment on Bud. When things got bad, they didn't trust, they didn't trust what their offense was. And there's that is why I think the next coach has a chance. But not having to do a lot of different things, if they can just clean up a little bit of that stuff, that they can continue to take another another step forward. But they need to they need to be able to trust their stuff late in games, and it was obvious they did not. The great irony of this still is every ATO was gorgeous, and then they just don't use any of that stuff in 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 late game situations, right? Like I mean, we talked yeah. about this, Rohan. The the ATOs they run are magnificent offensively. Like they draw up the most beautiful looks. And then none of those things translated over. So just too much trusting of the players and then the pl- just not organizing them enough. I, I almost – and I'll throw this to you first, Rohan. I don't even, I don't know if this would be done via maybe keeping someone on staff as, a, as, a, as in the new regime or what it would be. I wouldn't mind if we saw a lot similar defensive principles. Like I don't need to see switching for 80 games a year, like especially if Brooke is back. And I think at this point, I, Brooke should just be back. Like there's no reason Brooke should not be. I mean – just bring him back. He was probably their second best player in the playoffs or maybe the best player all around. Like Brooke is still Brooke. And on a one or two year deal, if you can do that, he should be back. There's no reason to make a wholesale change to defense. And even if they don't carry someone over, you know, just watch the tape, right? And the guys know what to do, but talk about it with them. But what are your thoughts on, you know, how much things should change under a new coach? I mean, probably like, in terms of in terms defensively, like you mentioned, not a whole lot. I mean, we saw how successful this team has been defensively. Sure, it, like you mentioned, Brad, about being more engaged in terms of like, if not necessarily the drop defense, it's how you play the drop defense and knowing your assignments and knowing the offensive personnel and how to, excuse me, how to play those specific coverages. It's not necessarily the system. It's more of like being engaged in the system. Uh, so, like, especially if you have such talented defensive players on your team, like you have three all defense caliber guys, one guy who just finished second place in defensive player of the year, one guy who has one defensive player of the year, and one guy who's been lauded as one of the best perimeter defenders in NBA history. Just don't Andrew. watch the tape from Miami Milwaukee. Just burn on that one. Burn yeah, the yeah, tape. Yeah. But outside burn of that tape. tape, outside of that tape for sure. <laughs> what tape? I don't know what you're talking about. There we uh, go. No, I unfortunately do. Uh, but in terms of defensively, like you don't have to change a whole lot. Like it's in terms of like keeping someone on the staff, like this, like the coaching staff had a lot of talented people. Like that's why Bud's coaching tree has been so successful. And that's why in the first round you see Darvin Ham versus Taylor Jenkins. And it's just like, oh shoot, like these guys are really, really good at what they do and they learn under Bud. Like, and that's why you see Charles Lee interviewing now for positions like just lead assistant after lead assistant after lead assistant just keeps getting hired away to like be good coaches in the NBA. Quinn like, Snyder you know, pushes Boston Quinn to Snyder. six, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I forgot about Quinn Snyder too. Yeah, exactly. So like keeping some guys on would not be the most, it wouldn't be a terrible idea. I mean, it, ultimately, I, I think that decision would be on the new coach and how comfortable they feel with that and not necessarily like, oh, I want my guys on the staff versus the organization saying, hey, maybe you should keep a few guys. How does that dynamic work is really interesting. But uh, in terms of the offensive stuff, I think there there does need to be some adjustments. And like like you were saying, Brad and Ty, like 
some of the shot selection like late in that game against against Miami it was just horrendous and I wanted to pose this question to you Brad because last time you came on the pod we talked about like the whole idea of playing random and why that's like people attaching to that as sort of like a pejorative is not the best idea because it's like most offenses in the NBA aren't really scripted. It's more of like knowing what you need to do against these certain defensive coverages and trusting your yeah. guys to know how to do that. However, like we we do see a lot of the times, like this Bucks team, they get very, very comfortable taking like outlandish shots. Like you see Giannis, like we mentioned, like taking like these pull-up jumpers late in the fourth quarter when you need to get to the rim. Drew Holiday had some of the most atrocious sh- shot selection that I have ever seen oh. out of a very, very talented player. And that's why I said he like I want him on the team. I'm not saying he shouldn't be on the team, but I don't know if he can be the starting point guard for the Milwaukee Bucks. Like he should maybe be the starting two guard for the Milwaukee Bucks. You like how how in terms of like what you want to see offensively from this team going forward, how much of it is really like when it comes down to like trusting your players to like play the system and how much the players trust the system in order to enact it. How does that dynamic really play? Because we saw late in that game, they were almost like Bud gave them a lot of freedom. And that's like, good. You don't want to like restrict your players because that can create like sort of tenuous relationships and like tenuous bonds. But how, how do you, how do you sort of manage that line when they're going out there and playing like that? Yeah. I I see it. And I, the random thing makes complete sense to me. Like we talked about the last pod and not being predictable. And I had Taylor Jenkins was on a pod I listened to. It was actually from last offseason using all the same, same vocabulary and same everything that, that Bud does, obviously. And, but for me, watching that first four minutes when they're up 16 and, and Jimmy Butler's on the bench and they have a chance to punch him out. And the biggest thing in, in the random was to me was the players not understanding time score matchups moments. It was, it was, this year, especially, it felt like it was a little too much. Everyone, everyone's kind of even. <laughs> if you end up open, you you can shoot it. And when you get to the playoffs, like the rate of certain guys taking shots versus others probably needs to get a little more lopsided. And I felt like that run, especially again, it was a it was an angles one pass three. It was Lopez from twenty seven feet on the left wing. It was Lopez shot fake trying to drive from the top of the key, dribbling off his feet. Um, and I think I don't think it's that hard. I, I mean, a, a lot of their plays, quote unquote, plays are just are just one or two actions to get into their stuff, and they lost complete comfort of. The Giannis and, and Chris Middleton pick and roll that they had in 2021. Giannis to, to Lopez was something that they were in that pick and roll was something they thought they could could squeeze a little juice out of. But I do think it comes down a lot to point guard. And my fear with Drew Holiday, as great as he is, is I don't think he's a point guard. And I don't think I don't think he organizes the team extremely well. I think his shot selection shows that. I think him getting caught in the air a lot um, in the middle of drives, getting caught at the basket, having to leave his feet, being willing in big games to shoot that over the top corner fadeaway on the baseline that is kind of fun when you're playing, you know, the Pacers on a random I was I literally was thinking Indiana as well. I don't know why. That yeah. is a very versus Because he, cause he had 50 against the, yeah, pi- exactly. against the Pacers. Yeah. yeah, but I saw that shot in game four, I think, on that, on that far baseline, that right baseline in Miami. And, I, and you know, I, I do think a combination of, of having the point guard on the same page and 
And for the Bucks, because Giannis brings the ball up so much, it doesn't ever feel like someone out there is in control. And Chris Middleton's the only guy I ever feel like where you see the hands come up to slow things down and get the ball. And now they're going to get into an action with him. But because they rely so much on transition offense all season and they do so well in it, they're always kind of trying to get something out of that, regardless of what the number situation is. And then by the time they know they don't have that, they're kind of in a, well, let's draw help and kick situation. And they never get super organized to get to their next thing. And I think that's, that's someone and that's, and Toronto's offenses were never really great in the half court once, once they moved on past Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, that's one of the concerns I would have with Nick Nurse. But at the same time, I, I do, I just don't think it's a huge change that they have to make, but someone's got to take control, whether it's a point guard, a coach, somebody else has got to have a, a little better understanding for them of what a good shot is, especially when games get tight. And that's why everyone wants to move the ball in time. That's why sometimes just a simple pick and roll with your best player gets you a shot that you know you have a decent chance to make is good offense. And it's pretty when the ball moves around and people cut, and, and that, that would be ideal. But sometimes in the playoffs, it's Jimmy Butler getting a ball screen and shooting a 17-foot pull-up. And it's Chris Middleton getting a ball screen and shooting that elbow jumper, which I wish he would have taken at the buzzer because – that's as good a shot as they were they're going to get with anything that they drew up. And I think that to, that to me is they, they have to have a better understanding of that. And it's disappointing because they did that in 2020. Yeah. I'm very interested in, in just, I, I want to see honest on the, on both ends of these things more. And, and I think that's yeah. something that was just lost. You know, Giannis as a screener and roller is obviously always going to be great. Now, he's such a vertical threat. I mean, if you get him, the thing about the thing about Giannis and pick and roll, and I've believed this since like 2019 or whatever, is he doesn't even need to really get an advantage. Like if if you if he's moving and he's just like nominally one on one against his defender, that's good enough because normally Giannis is working like one on 2.5 and he still has a decent success rate. If you can get Giannis one on one with spread pick and roll all the time, and either if someone is helping and there's a wide open shooter, or he's he's got to be defended by someone who's trying to keep up with him. You're going to win a lot. Like that's going to be a hugely successful play. They they still don't run it enough. They never really did, except for like late in 21 when Chris and Giannis were running a bunch. Sneakily, if you look at the numbers, Giannis as a pick and roll ball handler has also been very efficient over the last several years. And I would like to see more of that with Brooke and just with the guards. I mean, they've done some like there's one guy per year they like to do this with. It was Grayson this year. It's been Bryn Forbes before of the pick and pops. I think also like spam that sometimes, and I especially think. Those ideas in conjunction, and I would like to see some DHOs as well, because I think, you know, if someone is going to drop way off of Giannis, then you're going to have open space for Chris, who's comfortable with pull-up shooting, and that's going to be good looks too. So Giannis just all over in action. So I think there's a lot there that you can get. And I think generally combining that idea with mismatch hunting, which I think is another thing that yes. was probably a fair criticism of the Bucks not doing enough in terms of, you know, you're playing the Hawks and Trey Young. It's just there in the corner. The whole series, you know, and I, we, we talked about, hey, it'd be fun if they traded for Trey Young because there's your point guard. That's a whole different can of worms. But players like that, teams find in the playoffs. The Bucks didn't do that enough. So, you know, whoever is – whoever the worst defender is, let's get them in a screen with Giannis on one side or another 20 yeah. times in a row, right, or until they pull them and just keep beating that. Whereas the Bucks, I felt like – they would they they would make it a lot harder than it had to be. They would go up against the premier defenders. They would go. Giannis goes into the whole zone, right? Giannis goes into the barrier, and I think changing that, finding those mismatches, 
I think even if they don't make a significant talent upgrade, they'll look like a much better offensive team because I kind of think they've been playing on hard mode a lot of the time when it could just be easier for them. And I hope, as we, as you said, Brad, you know, we're here talking about this. Brad is very smart. Rohan and I are not as smart as any head coaching candidate. If we're here talking about this stuff, I would think that whoever the Bucks bring in is also going to realize offense has kind of been a problem and there are easy ways to do that. Hopefully it's not – it doesn't even take a, an offensive savant, right, to maybe make some of those tweaks to the system. Yeah. yeah especially, I oh, sorry, sorry, I was going to say, I, I think that there was a point where they they accepted an open shot as as equal across the board. If it was open for Brooke, open for Connaughton, open for whoever, and there, to me they're just levels. And like you said, I think I think for them to hunt some mismatches, to get into some simple action where you know here's your three options and do a little bit better tiering of what is actually just because we come down in transition and we get Javon Carter an open kick out on this, is that just because it's open as good a shot as if we run a, a DHO and now we've got Middleton turning the corner on it. And, and I do think a new coach will come in with a little different perspective on that. I, and one of the fears when you shoot that many threes is if you bog it down and run a bunch of actions, you start taking rhythm away because we're not, the ball's not moving or we're not playing this open space. And I think that'll be the challenge of whoever comes in next is trying to marry a little bit of those two. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more of like a let it fly, but let it smartly fly. Yeah. <laughs> Something like, <laughs> let's let the smart shots fly. How about that? Yeah. Instead of like the, the first open shot, because it's like, that gets a lot of, I think that's a big thing of the regular season versus playoffs. thing because a lot of the regular season, it comes down to like, how many possessions can you get in a game? Like if you can, if you win the possession battle in the regular season, more than likely you're going to win the win the game overall. Yeah. And that's why you see the teams that just play fast win a lot of regular season games. With Salsa like kind of struggle in the playoffs. Like uh, for, this is a, I guess it's a little. I mean, they were a very good team and could have won the Kings. Like they, they were a very like offensive like heavy team. They were a team that was like, yeah, we're gonna run and gun. We are going to win this possession battle. We're going to get like so many more, like 125 possessions a game or something like that. And then when it comes down to the playoffs, like it slows down. And given, like, I'm not trying to disrespect the Kings. They were very, very good. They almost beat the reigning champs. Uh, but like it comes down, they slow it down. Then you rely a lot on De'Aaron Fox and his shot making. Like it, it comes down to, and that's why you see a guy like DeMontis Sabonis really, really struggle in that series. And, but they still had a chance because of De'Aaron Fox. Uh, like in the playoffs, it's not necessarily about winning the possession battle because every single possession is a grind. Every single possession, you're getting a locked-in version of the opposing team's defense, and you have to lock in on every single defensive possession. So when you're getting, like, you can afford to take more, like, the first open shot in the regular season because you're getting more possessions per game yeah. versus you have to, like, adjust the quality of those shots when it comes down to the postseason because they matter so much more. Yeah, I think... Um... I, I They could almost run the same offense that they have been for the first three quarters of every game in the regular season next year, and I'd be fine. Like, I think the fourth quarter in the playoffs is when it should change. Like, I almost think, like it, Bud did, it was pretty rudimentary at first, right? Like, they had the boxes, right? Like, this is where you're going to stand to open up the floor. This is where you're going to shoot. And I, I wouldn't really like to see the exact same offense for 75% of the regular season. But if it was like literally we're going to play one style of offense in quarters one through three every game and then in the fourth quarter we're going to be a lot more diligent and we're going to hunt the matchups more and everything else 
to just to get in that zone. Like I wouldn't even mind that kind of idea because I do think to your point, Rohan, it just changes. I mean, the regular season, it's 82 games times 48 minutes. And it's really, you can let the math play out, right? Like if you're, you know, oh, the mid-range shots over the course of that many minutes, they're not going to fall at a high enough clip and we will win a lot of basketball games. And on the flip side, if we, Javon Carter takes however many threes a game and not just, I mean, Javon's a good player, not just him, all the guys, right? Grayson and Brooke and everyone else. You know, if we get these shots this many times, it's like literal, you can moneyball it. And like, yeah, you're going to win a lot of ball games. In the playoffs, you know, you you just can't weather the the two games where things go poorly. It doesn't work, and that's and that's I think something the Bucks have run into, both offensively and defensively. Of you know, oh, our shooters went cold for three straight games. We don't have a good enough pivot, and we lose. Or defensively, like oh, we just don't we don't really have a better way to cover mid range guys. We're not used to doing it. And Jimmy or Kawhi or whoever. And to your point, Brad. At, at a certain point, like you just lose because the other guy is better and there's no real shame in that. And I don't think there was any defensive coverage that was going to make Jimmy Butler turn into a pumpkin after the series he had. He was just too damn good. But I do think there needs to be a little bit of a reevaluation, at least in the big moments, the crunch time, the playoffs of we can't we can't just play the math because, you know, we, we don't have to. We have we have one of the five guys or however many guys, especially, you know, if there's no Giannis, and I think I wonder how much Bud's experience in Atlanta plays into this. So they didn't have a choice. I mean, they couldn't just say, all right, Jeff Teague, Al Horford, pick and roll 40 straight times. You right. know, you're not winning 60 games doing that. They had to have this system. And obviously they weren't going to get over the hump either way because you need the great player. They still were great teams and won a lot. But I think the Bucks need to shift more toward let's just let's just make it so Giannis is able to beat the other team versus trying to rely on the math and the offense and all of these other things. And it goes back to the big picture. Part of the reason their culture is so good is because guys five through twelve, five through fifteen are more elevated here on a team with a big time superstar and two all two three all stars than they are other places because they could take those shots and. The payoff that I feel bad that Bud didn't get is he should have been paid off by those guys playing better in the playoffs because he put so much trust in them. And he elevated those guys and gave them more green lights than other people would have, more playing time in season than other people would have because the way he balanced starter minutes. And I, I think the, the thought is I'm going to show all this trust. And when it really comes down to it, they're going to play well because they feel good. They know that we trust them. They know that Giannis will get them the ball when they're open. And other than 2021, they did those role players didn't do a great job paying off that trust. And and again, I, I just I think that there's the, the things that the Bucks were good at, transition offense and Giannis getting into space, are two of the easier things I think you can take away in a playoff setting. Transition, you can you can not crash the boards. You can really lock in on live ball turnovers and making sure you don't turn the ball over which offensively for a team like the Heat means playing slow and making sure you get a shot. So it, it becomes easier to take away their best thing. And then if you're not giving up transition, you have more time to jam the lineup. So you have to have more seasoning in your offense and you have to have more double actions. And, and the reality is there's probably some of it was – I didn't feel like they had a high IQ team. So maybe some of these things, they just weren't confident in, in trying to let's get the ball at the floor. No, we don't get it. How do we get that mismatch? And because they had five out spacing or four out with the dunker spot, 
they weren't they weren't ready to just go set a ball screen that gets the switch that you want or run the action that gets the next one. So there will have to be if they do want to play more like that, they are going to have to have a tweak. And I agree. I, I don't think I don't think they can make big changes. This team is built to play well at the way they were playing, but those type of things they they've got to do better because. They have to have something with five minutes to go that they know they can get a basket in. And it was obvious the last two games of that series, they did not trust anything that they had to get a basket. When it comes down to like, yeah, of course, 100% agree. When it comes down to like, where do we go from here? Like as the title says, how how can the Bucks get better after firing Mike Budenholzer? We've talked a lot. It's going to be difficult. Would you say that the Buck, like we we talked about a bunch of different potential candidates who already have head coaching experience, like Nick Nurse, like uh, Ty Lue, like potentially Steve Kerr, things Vogel. go awry for the Vogel. Would you say like, because in my opinion, like uh, guys like Steve Kerr, guys like uh, and guys like Frank Vogel are more like culture guys, and guys like Nick Nurse, uh, Ty Lue are more like in game sort of like tacticians would you say that this bucks current culture like because of the roster because of how much they've been together are strong enough where they don't necessarily need a culture guy they could up like they could go from a culture guy but who is obviously like one of the smartest basketball minds ever like let me let me be clear when i say culture guy i'm not saying they don't know like how to make like in-game tactical decisions it's like the floor raiser thing these things can be true without being the pejorative people make them out to be right exactly there's a line there and i think especially on social media and discourse, like things are just so simplified by many. Like Rohan, you're absolutely right in what you're saying, I think too, but it, it doesn't mean it's a negative or saying that they're terrible at everything else. Yeah, it means like what? what is your strength? Like what is your main strength out there? Like wh- would you say, Brad, you would go more for like a guy who is more of a culture setter or more of like a tactician? I just, I think that, and my, uh, I want to say fear because I think, I think the players understand they need to be better. My fear from having a coaching change is that so much blame goes to the coach that they're not seeing their own faults in it. But I do believe the players probably believe they need more adjustments. And I think now as a more veteran team, their culture is kind of established. That's I don't think that's a priority for the new person coming in. Now, it will be interesting if they do bring in someone like Nick Nurse, who is who's gotten after players in press conferences like that. Yeah. Yeah. That hasn't happened since, I mean, Jason Kidd had some of that, but like it's been a while since George coach going to a press conference and say anything really meaningful, but definitely nothing negative towards players. So that, you know, I do think that's a fear. And I think the biggest thing, like you don't get to just bring all the good stuff that you were doing and, have that keep moving and now you go and tweak the others. Like there's a ton of risk in losing a lot of the good stuff. But I, I think the players probably think they need more adjustments and, and more in-game stuff, which is why I would say that they will be looking for someone. Again, that's just an easier sell. And I think, but I mean, the other names you're talking about, I think have enough respect where it probably doesn't matter if a guy like Steve Kerr is, um, is available after this series for some reason that, what whatever his strength is, he's won enough that they'll listen to whatever. But and and those guys again, they don't know how to coach everything, but they they can coach many different things really well. But I do think the players are probably convinced they need more of that. So if that's if that's the strength of the new person, I, I think 
the culture stuff definitely becomes the second piece of that. And, and again, with a veteran team, with your with your best player being who he is and and how he carries himself, they shouldn't have to worry about culture as much. Out of all the names out there, and I know you know we've chatted about a couple uh, off the pod as well, Brad. Is there anyone that stands out to you? I think uh, Kenny Atkinson is available. He's been a head coach. He's not been a, a championship, but he, he's been the the head seat. Is there anyone so far that you've kind of thought that I think is a better a better option than than most of the others? I know it's a little difficult because a lot of the guys that we've talked about who have been there are seen as, I think, more defensive than offensive minds, which is yeah. does make it a little complicated. Maybe can you offset that with a certain assistant? Who knows? I mean, that's I certainly won't pretend to know all of the available assistants and who could make sense there. I guess one that we haven't talked about much, I don't know if he's looking to coach again, Mike D'Antoni, certainly not a defensive-minded guy. He's been in several head chairs. I don't know if that's the direction they would go. Who knows? But are there any names that have stood out to you so far? I mean, I won't pretend to know enough about all of them individually of what their true strengths are. But again, I do think Nurse, Vogel, I think all those guys are known as defensive guys. I would worry about Nick Nurse and and what their offense would look like. But at the same time, I, I just think Giannis has seen Nick Nurse up close and took an L to him. Obviously, they went and won a title. And I, I just I don't I don't think the list of who they can hire to coach Giannis, while it's the best job available. The actual guys that fit who a, he would want, but also guys that that team would receive. I don't think it's a very long list. And I think because Nurse has done it in front of his face, I think that, I mean, I think he's a, a major favorite on the betting boards right now. It's like minus 300 to be the Bucks next coach wherever I saw it with no one else even close to even money. So um, I just think he's a guy who's showing he'll, he'll mess around defensively and and again, it may not matter, honestly. Like, I mean, it matters who it is. It may not matter what the new guy does as much as we're talking about right now because they just get better at, like Rohan said before, just get better at what they're doing because they've got a new voice. They've got new attention. Practice is different. The trips are a little bit different. Um, you know, that was my biggest fear about Brain. They couldn't bring back Bud because every post game that they lost was going to be questions about adjustments and coaching. And and so they get a freshness to that. And, you know, to me, Nick Nurse is the guy that they'll, that I would think they would end up hiring because they saw it firsthand. And I, I just think for John Horst, this is John Horst's last head coaching hiring if it doesn't go well. And I, I think he would be, he would be the guy that if I'm John Horst, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a guy that I know has done it and isn't gonna try to prove it. Now I think it'd be real gutsy of him to go grab someone that hasn't done it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, if if this guy doesn't do well, do you see John Horst getting to hire another head coach? I, I would say no. So I think the combination of him and Giannis and needing that to me is is probably you got to go with a guy that's proven he can do it. For sure, and. Uh... Like a guy like Nick Nurse for sure is a guy who's done it. One thing I would be a little trepidatious about when it comes to Nick Nurse is there's been a lot of sort of friction between him and his players recently yeah. about like, hey, this guy's kind of running us into the ground. What, what's your what's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, he's played a ton of minutes on those guys. And I'd like to think that the Bucks are built better to be able to absorb more bench minutes. And I would assume that would be a conversation. But I think we would all probably agree Maybe they need to play more in the regular season so that they are a little more 
minute and battle tested when it gets to the playoffs. But yeah, the last the last year was not a not an endorsement of Nick Nurse as a player's coach for sure. Um, but again, like we talked about before, that that might be what they need. They might need someone that's a little more abrasive, that challenges a little bit more, and that when things get uncomfortable, rather than telling everyone to relax, tells everyone that we need we need to to get after it a little bit more. So, um, I, you know, again, I, I I don't know that he's even the best person out there. I just think that's the guy they're going to end up landing on because it fits so many pieces of where this team is at, who their best player is, and kind of what the risks are going forward. They need this to go well, and I think it's just hard to to make too big of a gamble. What do you think of his hats? <laughs> <laughs> and would you would you do merch? Would you ever have merch if you could? Oh my God, no. Oh my, God. <laughs> my wife is incredibly skilled in the style world and I would be so terrified of doing it wrong. That, um, no. And, and I mean, for a players league, I think the players have gotten off the hook a little bit here. Um, with how bad, how bad that series went. So they might, that might be exactly what they, they, they might need a little bit of that because it's, it'll be the last run for a lot of these guys. If it doesn't go well next year with the new guy, people will be going out the door and it's going to be a completely different iteration of the Bucks. So, um, there is a ton of pressure on this team next year. The problem is we don't know until April whether or not it's any good. And they know that too. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a remarkable regular. We're going to learn a lot next regular season. I think it's going to be really one of the most fascinating we've had. But there is certainly going to be going into the playoffs a sense of like, okay, that was all great. Let's see, let's see what the real results are now, right? Like, let's see, let's see the games that I, I think the regular season does matter. It's a topic every year. I watch the games. I learn a lot about the team. I really enjoy yeah, the regular sure. season. Like, I, I think if you like watching basketball, it matters enough. Is is my take on that? But. You know, when you're in this position as a team, I think the Bucks are one of like five teams in the spot of where it matters, but the next, what comes next matters a lot more. And I think that's how it should be. I think there'd be a problem if it was as equal to the playoffs, right? Like that's, that's the point of it. My other thought is I wonder if they would go with someone who is coaching overseas right now. I mean, someone like Etoire Messina, like someone like that, who knows? I mean, we're just throwing out names now. I don't think, I don't even know if we're going to get like a list of interviews Anytime soon. I mean, I think they they want to see how the playoffs go. It's certainly what it sounded like from Woj's reporting on the subject and who else may spring loose. As long as that doesn't mean Doc Rivers or Joe Missoula, that's that's interesting enough. But if it means one of those guys, it's much less interesting to me. Um, I wish Vogel was known as an offensive guy because I like a lot about what Frank Vogel does. And I think he's a great coach. I almost wonder, is he too Budenholzer-y? Like, I, I do look at him as kind of like a, you know, strong culture, defensive first, like defensive principles. I would be interested. I, I think the, the, the interviews should be the most important thing. And the ideas that these guys bring, and potentially women with Becky Hammond or other candidates, but that these people bring for what they want to do. Like, I think that is what should matter most. And that's what we won't know about until until they pick someone and, and they do a press conference. But... Um, I, it's going to be fascinating to see who they pick. Um, I am not sold on Nurse, but I think the logic you laid out does make sense in terms of, you know, it's it's really risky to bring in someone who hasn't done it before. And both in terms of, you know, if you take the big picture, like to this era of the Bucks, the smaller picture, John Horst job. Like it's, you know, if you hire a first year guy and he's horrible, that's that's a pretty, pretty bad sign for the future. So 
it's it's a huge flashbulb moment. Honestly, it's 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 a great opportunity to turn things around, but there is huge risk there as well. Um, this it's going to be a really meaningful process, and I'm both excited and terrified to see where it goes. Yeah, yeah I, it'll be interesting. And I'm I'm now that I've had to talk about Nick Nurse, I'm going to pull up. Luckily, we have access to the synergy clips. I'm going to pull up their offense this week and try to figure out if it's because I mean, we talk about all these things. They only they only get to coach the teams that they have. Right. So that team switches a lot, but they've got all these switchy six nine wings. Yeah, they have no that, centers. <laughs> they had to. Yeah, no, they have no centers. <laughs> like their their best scorer, I guess, was Van Vliet in the last couple of years. Siakam maybe didn't yeah. get a whole lot better, but they're all completely different personnel wise. So who the heck? I mean. They're not, he's not running an offense that would be set for Giannis without Giannis. So right. I think, like you said, all these conversations for us to even go look at what they're doing, what he was doing offensively. As soon as you get Giannis and Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez, it's a completely different offense than Siaka and Van Vliet and, and Norm Powell or what, you know, whoever they and have. And it'll be, yeah. Yeah, so you know, to w- even watch what they've done with these other teams, like you probably you probably can't even pick up that much to to try to bleed over the Bucks anyway. So it is about their ideas and and what they wish they could probably do with the teams they had. And and again, I just it's such a it's such a risky spot for for John Morris to go. But at the same time, I think he's proven to be a guy that's I don't know that he he works with a lot of fear. Yeah. Um, I think his move, he wasn't afraid to give up a lot to get Drew Holiday. So, uh, you know, as much as I think they'll go after, they'll go get Nick Nurse, like if he thinks someone is better. And, and obviously, um, you know, they looked overseas the last time before they, they hired Bootenholzer. Like, I, I don't think he's afraid to do it. I just, I would be, I would be real nervous if, if this was my, potentially my last shot to hire a coach to do it with someone that hasn't proven it. So. Yeah, one last interesting nurse note. I, I he was seen as the offensive assistant for Dwayne Casey yeah. before he was brought on, and then hasn't really. So it, it is going to be if he is hired. I, I think your point is great. Like the Raptors and the Bucks, I think both have relatively unique rosters and skill sets of players. So I wouldn't expect it to be all of the same things he was doing with that core brought over to this one. I would certainly hope not. That it'd be a pretty bad hire if that's his plan. Right. It's not like Phil Jackson running the triangle. Yes. Yeah whoever he had, like Nick nurse doesn't have an offense, right? So he's going to run. And, and most of these guys are going to run the best thing that they think. And like I said, Boone came in the perfect time, ran the perfect spacing offense, made the adjustment in 2021 to add a dunker spot. And now they need someone who I think can take pieces of that and add a little seasoning and, and some of those actions. And again, I don't, I'm, it might not be as complicated as racking like it would be. And I think any of these guys that have, been doing it for the last 30 to 40 years of their life, uh, 25 years, whatever, are well equipped to to take care of some of those things that they haven't been great at. For sure. It's, it's a major inflection point for the, for the yeah. franchise. It's it's one of the biggest moments in franchise history, truly. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see who they hire. Uh, Brad, I know you mentioned Nick Nurse is your favorite. My favorite is probably Unfeasible, and that's Becky Hammond, just seeing mm. what she did with the Aces in the year. It's just like that sort of revitalization of an offense would be really, really helpful for the Bucks. However, I don't think she's interested. In she has said she's not for sure. Yeah. Did not she in the Bucks specifically. Did she not interview for the Raptors though? This year? Yeah. I thought she said she doesn't want to make the jump, but maybe that's an old quote that I saw. 
I could be wrong. I, I think they requested permission at least okay. and were granted it. Uh, but I'm not sure if an actual interview took place. It'll be interesting. Yeah, she, to see. Was, she was vague about it. She, the Raptors request an interview. She made a comment about not wanting to take away. It was right when because WA yeah, WA training, training yeah. camps just started, and it was a comment to the effect of, "I don't want to take the attention away from these guys and talk about the Raptors." But it was it wasn't a no. Yeah. Got it. Okay. The timing wise problem is their season just started. Right. So they're in a different cycle and she would have to walk away. Not that she wouldn't, but she would have to walk away from the team at the start of the season that is well equipped to win another championship. Yeah. Um, and obviously is, you know, if not the best coach in women's pro history, she's in the conversation. So, uh, but yeah, Becky's great. I, I would love, I mean, obviously as a women's basketball coach, if, if the first female coach would be in the box, it'd be fantastic. I, again, I just think the risk that comes with it for John Horace is, would probably be a, a tough step to take. I also think like she would command the respect of the box locker room as well. Oh yeah, like absolutely, like an undeniable resume. <laughs> like, yeah, just absolutely a winner at every single level. But Ty, who's your favorite? I'm gonna have to reevaluate. I, I need to dig into some of the established guys who are available. I, 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 I've been talking about Jordy Fernandez. I just, I, I talked to a buddy who covers the the Cavs and Charge, and apparently he's just like seen as an offensive savant. But now I'm wondering, is that level of offensive guy even needed at this moment, or is it more important to bring in someone who's going to have more? you know, more gravitas right away. So I feel like I need to reevaluate. That's been the name. I'll say that name to satisfy your question, Rohan, and to give a real answer. But I am kind of getting drawn to more of the proven guys. I, I don't think there's one candidate right now of the currently available pool uh, that I go, that is the perfect hire. That is no doubt checks every single box, which makes it difficult. Um, the Clippers said they're going to keep Ty Lu. If he ends up available, I think he would probably rock it up my list pretty quickly. Um, sure. Probably same with Kerr. I'd be more excited about Lou. Um, but out of the currently available candidates, I, I think Nurse is fine. I, I I would have to hear that they were blown away by what he said and, and kind of hear that from them. But that's going to be the case with any coach. Like I said, I really do trust John Horace and the Bucks front office enough that whoever they announce – Unless it's like Mark Jackson, I guess I was going to say no disrespect. I guess it's kind of unavoidably disrespectful. Um, that I'll, I'll be, take the disrespect, Mark. We're, we're calling you out here. I mean, yeah. he said some wild things on broadcast. I feel like it's not even close to evening out some of the disrespect he is dish. Anyway, um, but unless it's something like, like a name like that, it's like that doesn't even make sense. I feel like I'll be on board until I have a reason not to be because you have to assume like, you know, they're not going to take it lightly. Like it's going to be a big time search. And as Horst said in the press conference um, interview thing, it, it's the most desirable open job, right? I mean, unless maybe Golden State opens up and that's different and, you know, they paid $10 billion to someone. But outside of a situation like that, getting to coach Giannis and this team, they should kind of have their pick of, of options. So you have to assume they're going to bring in someone who's at least solid, if not much better. It'll turn out. I, I think it's going to turn out well for them. I, yeah. It's timing is good. I think where they're at is good. I think again. I think there's a handful of guys. Just a new voice will just resharpen the axe a little bit for them. And that, to me, that's honestly all they need. I think most of this roster can return with the new coach and and have a really good chance to win a championship. 
For sure. Maybe maybe not Doc Rivers, though, because as we're recording, uh, the Sixers have blown a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. So. <laughs> no, not him. Yeah, yeah. Not, we put him on the Mark Jackson list. Brad, we've we've taken up a ton of your time. Thank you so much. I did want, before, before Rohan spools up the outro, and we talked about him not doing pod random as the last thing anymore. He, if he's... If he hasn't come up with something, he's got he's got like a couple more minutes to right now. But um, Brad, I, I know you know season ended recently. I think I'm guessing you're in recruiting right now, but would just love to hear about your team and where you're at and, and expectations for the next season. And I would really encourage anyone located in the Fox Valley or who goes around when the season does start up to make a trip and catch a game because it is it is really fun and not just because watching you go ballistic when you're up 35 <laughs> in the fourth quarter and. Someone blows a switch or something. The whole the yeah. whole the whole game experience is fun, and it's a really talented level of basketball um, that I think people probably wouldn't appreciate unless they saw it. But when they do see it, they go, "Oh, the skill level here is really high, and this is an incredibly entertaining game to watch." Yeah, women's basketball over the last five years has skyrocketed. I mean, our the level of talent, athleticism, skill that is. That is, I mean, we're now going into our third generation of women's basketball players, um, 50 years since Title IX. So now girls have grandmas that played for the first time and, and people don't understand how big a deal that is. Like yeah. when we grew up and when I grew up, like my grandpa played basketball, my dad played his whole life. And that's not how girls and, and females had it previously. So um, we're going to have a really good team. Uh, we have a ton of girls back. Um, we went to the second round of the NCAA tournament last year with half a team of freshmen. Um, so we returned uh, 15 of our 17 players from last year. Um, and we're actually going to have the majority of those for the next two years. So uh, we think we'll be a top 25 team when the year starts. And I think we've got a chance over the next two years to make a run in the final four and play for a national championship. So um, so we're just, we're trying to, to get over the hump. We, we are between the portal and recruiting right now. We're super active and the portal works for division three as much as it does for everyone else. We're not getting the players LSU women are getting over the last couple of days, but, um, but we're talking to, to good players because we've had a really good program. So it, it's, it's a great time for basketball and in my world. It's a fun time for me to watch the NBA and, and be recruiting and thinking about our future too. So uh, I had a blast guys. Um, I'll, I'll be breaking down NBA film. So as soon as I hire a coach, uh, I'll send you some clips you can use on here. And, yeah, please. Um, we'll see a little more seasoning that uh, the Bucks can, can be playing well past the end of April next year. And everyone, uh, I forgot to include this as part of the plug. Follow Brad on Twitter at UWO Coach Fisher. Um, maybe, maybe as many, if not more, Bucks tweets than than Titans tweets. So I think that's like you know probably more fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably more fun and, and and more strategic to to share that insight versus the others. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, but for sure, thank you so much for uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And Ty, I think I did decide. I think I'm going to decide to Ooh. keep Pod Random oh, in good. honor of Bud yeah. until like a new coach has been hired. I like that. So got to keep that. So with that, <laughs> thank you again, Brad, for joining for us. Sure. Thank you everyone for listening. Make sure you check out gspn.info for all of your pod like GSPN pod needs. Packers, Bucks, Brewers, pop culture, anything you need. Our Substack link, our merch link. Not Nick Nurse merch, but our merch is on gspn.info. Make sure you check that out. And uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to this, watching this. Leave a five-star rating and review. Pod random. And we'll talk to you next time.